Bitcoin sessions. Today we're joined by Veridice, security audit company in Web3. And we're really excited to, um, to just be here to be able to put on the show and to learn a little bit more about um, not just, you know, another protocol in the space, but actually um, someone who makes this a safer place to be in. So uh, go ahead, Veridice, and introduce yourself. Hello, hello. Um, my name is Vanina, and I'm the marketing manager at Very Dice. It is a real pleasure to be here today, and especially today, actually, and talk about uh, Bitcoin, blockchain in general, and security, uh, because the past few weeks have been dreadful from a security perspective. And um, yeah, I think that this is something that we should be talking about a little bit more. So Vanina, whenever you see that things are, are going dreadful, you're like, sweet, there's more opportunities for us to do things. Or So do you get happy or does it still bother you? Well, personally, I say to myself, uh, oh, this might indeed be at the beginning of the bull run. Um, <laughs> but then <laughs> as a company, you're right, it would make sense for us to think, sweet, you know, <laughs> people will start caring about, about security more. So that means more business for us and more opportunities. But the reality is different. Yeah. The reality is we got in what we do because we want to bring more more people to crypto. We want to make crypto available for everyday use. And to achieve that, we need to have an environment, an ecosystem that it's secure. Yeah. Normies and non-crypto people and Web2 people will not come um uh, until they know that this is a safe environment for them to transact and for the time being all they see on the news is oh crypto bad because you know it's used for terrorism or this crypto exchange has been hacked that crypto exchange has uh, rug pulled and so this is not ideal for the the whole industry so while we like it that people pay attention to security and there's an opportunity for that we would much rather there were less there was less need for (laughs) for our services on the market no no 100 percent. just um two days ago my mother-in-law sent me a video because she knows that i work in the space and it was um, someone talking to Congress about like them, uh, someone trying to scam them. They like they used AI to like voice his son, telling him like he had been arrested. Uh, he had been in a wreck where he hit like a pregnant lady, and he's in jail right now. And um, they even had a lawyer call. Then they had uh, they he had they had a call like the public uh, service, and then they told him like, "No, talk to your lawyer." And um, the lawyer was like, well, right now, um, 
like the way that this works is you have to go use this ATM to pay me and it was through Bitcoin. And so it just saddened me because um, the man was talking, obviously upset about this scam, but then he was talking about crypto being used in such a negative way. And so um, it just made me sad that, you know, that people use, you know, this great technology for bad sometimes. And it, it really does like in the, in the news just eats that up and, you know, tries to, to say this is like the biggest use case for it, that this is like the main thing it's used for. And so, um, yeah, it, it did upset me to see people using it in that way. I'm going to be honest with you, though. I think it is to a great extent mostly media propaganda because uh, that's the human nature. We want to game the system. It is intrinsic to us to want to game the system, and we're going to do it one way or another. A malicious player will always find a way. Um, The thing is, we don't talk about how much traditional technology, TrapFi and fiat money is used for malicious things right yeah. we just it's sort of like nonchalantly forget to mention that <laughs> um and i think that this is the bigger issue here because yeah obviously TrapFi doesn't want um bankless people pouring into the system because yeah. we're eating up their bread and butter but at the end of the day um bad things are happening in track five people are getting hacked people are having their credit cards drained or uh, or cloned um and fiat is used for malicious purposes a lot more than crypto is being used so yeah i mean if we just compare like i don't know if any i have tried to find statistics reliable statistics on that and unfortunately nobody has really managed to like put that together um but if we compare the amount of scams happening with fiat to those happening with crypto that is not a fair comparison yeah yeah it's not no i've gotten personally called um they're always trying to you know say like lately it's been one about like medicare here in the united states and they're always asking just for like gift cards they always want you to pay with like target gift cards or amazon gift cards so just regular fiat you're right is used a lot more and it's funny how they just kind of brush that off that that's actually what is used mainly for these nefarious reasons so um it, it is sad that they brush it off so easily and then try to focus on the few things that people are trying to use crypto for that is true but you know this is the world that we live in and that's another thing that is intrinsic to the human species uh, being resistant to change and crypto is a big change it is a very major shift in the way we think uh, about money yeah so i think it's going to be a while until we get to the point where crypto and bitcoin is used in everyday life for buying i don't know bread and starbucks <laughs> frappes yeah <laughs> So Nina, um, I'm right now. I'm like really interested in like just the way that you analyze things and you um, just you know go about um, thinking about how how things work here in the space. But I'd like to know a little bit more about you. Could you tell us a little bit, little bit more about your personal journey in, into crypto and then ending up working here at Veridice? Of course, of course, I would love that. Um, I started out about eight years ago. Uh, by pure coincidence. So I got into, I I first heard about Bitcoin and Litecoin in 2013 when I was working in the fintech industry. And I started looking at uh, Bitcoin from a purely economical perspective. And I'm going to be honest with you, back then I was skeptical. I was like, "Mm, this cannot be a thing, right? It's not going to survive. 
the test of time. But I kept an eye on it. Um, and then about three years later, I um, was working on a project, a Web2 project, that um, needed monetization. We tried to use traditional technology. At a certain point, we realized that it's not doing the job. And we figured out that blockchain might be a good thing. So this is the coincidence, basically, the the uh, inciting incident <laughs> that got me into, into the whole world of crypto. And when I started out, I have always served in a marketing role in crypto. And when I started out, there was nobody to learn from. We were literally learning on our feet by doing and making mistakes and, yeah. you know, trying not to re repeat the same mistakes. <laughs> um, but it has been it has been a fantastic journey for me. Um, and I don't see myself getting out of that whole uh, ecosystem anytime soon. Yeah. But I joined the Veridice team um, about, about six months ago, um, and it has been an even wilder journey for me personally, because I uh, have learned so much about uh, blockchain security, about ZK, um, and ZK circuits, and ZK proofs, and folding schemes, and all of that stuff. Yeah, it has been it has been amazing. The very nice team is one of the most qualified teams that I have had the pleasure to work with, and um, yeah, it has been a crazy journey that is just beginning. Yeah, well, I, well, I was gonna say like, whenever you're working somewhere that you truly believe you're doing good, like yeah, why would why would you ever want to leave, right? So you know what you're doing there at Veridice is, you know, making this a safer place. And so I, I totally understand why you enjoy being there. And then um, just, you know, the team that you have around you must be, it must be an awesome place to be at. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, sometimes it's about the whole ethos and the whole value system. And yes, I do firmly believe and the whole Veridice team firmly believes that we're, we're making this this ecosystem more usable um, on an everyday basis. Um, but there's also the fact that the space that working in crypto gives you it is currently unmatched. Um, perhaps AI is an industry that is developing as quickly as blockchain. But when you think about things, and I always find this fascinating, um, I, I, I like to reread old white papers. And I know it's a weird hobby. It's a very weird thing. But I like to do that. I like to go back and reread the first MakerDAO white paper or white papers that I've written in the past. And a lot of things make zero sense from today's perspective. And I find myself thinking, why Why did they go this way? Like, this doesn't make any sense. Like, why didn't they use like a stable coin in their economic model, for example, instead of, instead of a highly volatile, uh, volatile uh, altcoin? And then I remember, wait, back then, the stable coins were not a thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they didn't exist. <laughs> so the fact that... I have witnessed so much, and everybody in the industry has witnessed so much technological advancement in the past, say, five years, and um, that we haven't been able to see in the traditional Web2 world in the past 25 years. That is, to me, exhilarating. And I think to the most people uh, working in the industry, that is one of the things that keeps us in. Yeah. It's it's exciting and like you and you're so right. Like things are changing so quickly here. Um, 
a year in crypto feels like 10 years, I think, in the outside world. <laughs> that is exactly what I what I was telling somebody recently. I was in Istanbul for DEF CON together with part of the Veridice team. And I was talking to somebody um, coming from the Web2 world. And that, that's exactly the comparison that I did. <laughs> One year in crypto is equal to 10 years in real life. <laughs> it's really funny. Um, so, you know, we all know that Bitcoin is generally the metric in all cryptocurrencies. And I know it doesn't affect your team per se as much, but how do you f feel that Bitcoin, whatever happens to Bitcoin kind of determines how the marketplace goes with the other cryptocurrencies? Do you think that's fair or does it make sense? Or, you know, what are your thoughts on that? I think that it is still true. That is still true. It may not be true in a few years. Um, but right now, I think that it's still Bitcoin is still the king that we all bow to, whether we hold any Bitcoin or not, whether we uh, pour all of our investments into Ethereum or altcoins, I still believe and I still uh, sense that Bitcoin is the OG that we use to compare all other cryptocurrencies to. Um, I was recently listening to an episode of Bankless, and for those of you who follow the podcast um, and the newsletter of Bankless, um, they're uh, true believers in Ethereum, they're hardcore Ethereum maxis. And even they compare uh, the value of Ethereum to the value of Bitcoin and take Bitcoin as the basis, as the anchor for Ethereum and all other cryptocurrencies. Uh, the other thing that the other observation that I have is that a lot of people um, uh, still consider and probably will forever consider Bitcoin as the ultimate crypto store of value. Um, that is the one, you know, it has been very volatile. It, you know, the price has been going up and down like crazy. But at the end of the day, Bitcoin has never disappointed us, right? In the long run, if you know, for the people who managed to survive the FUD and the, <laughs> the crypto winters and held on to their Bitcoin, it, it has not disappointed. <laughs> yeah, it hasn't. <laughs> well, uh, Vanina, so a little bit about myself. Um, I'm uh, my, my heritage and is from um, my parents are from El Salvador. So um, they came to the United States before I was born. I was born here. And um, they, uh, you know, have family back home. And so I, I'd go visit during the summers and my parents would always, um, you know, just save up money to be able to send our family back home. And one of the first memories I have is just like seeing them stressed out about fees they would have to pay to send money, their own money. And they'd have to pay sometimes 10% of what they were sending back home in order to do that. And so it was just really frustrating. And that was one of the first things that I thought of when I learned about crypto. For me, my journey started in um, early 2017, toward, closer towards the summer. And a friend of mine was just like, hey, Bitcoin's $3,000. That ship has sailed, which is funny to, <laughs> to say now. <laughs> and uh, he's like, there's this new token called Ethereum and uh, they're building an alliance. I remember like Russia was one of the countries that was like doing some type of alliance with it. So we were like, oh man, this is big. And so it really got me interested in the space because earlier, all I had heard from 
you know, before like in the news and media about Bitcoin was negative, you know, Silk Road, black markets, you know, all that. So I just like always thought about it as like an, I always say this, I always thought about it as like an evil uh, PayPal. That's, that's the only connection <laughs> I, I, I could make to it. Like I just knew it was digital and you know, that, that's all I could think about it. So now I'm like, man, I was so off, but thanks to my friend, um, I really got deeper into the space. And when I learned about what crypto could do and how cheaply you could transfer money from one wallet to another, I was like, man, this would have been so great to use, you know, 20 years earlier, 15 years earlier with my parents sending money to our loved ones. And so whenever um, El Salvador made Bitcoin a legal tender there, um, I felt a little proud. I was like, man, my, you know, my parents' country is, is making moves. And so, um, <laughs> It, it did make me question, though, because I feel like part of the reason Bitcoin, you know, came about was so it wouldn't be dependent on governments. So I'm just, you know, after that long introduction to this topic, I just wonder what you what do you think about countries like El Salvador making um, cryptocurrency part of its uh, currency? And uh, do you think that that's a good thing or, or a bad thing? Or are we in gray ground? You know, like, what what, what do you think about that? Oh, I definitely think it's a good thing. And uh, as I mentioned, I, I just came back from Istanbul in Turkey, where Bitcoin and cryptocurrency is also legal and quite popular, I might say. Um, I was surprised to do that. Have, hadn't gone to Turkey since before COVID and things have changed a lot in the past few years. But to get back to your initial question, I think that countries like El Salvador and Latin America in general are the perfect, perfect case study for the good that crypto can do. I had a friend who was based in uh, Argentina. Um, he was also working crypto. He was telling me if I were not paid in stable coins, if I didn't get my salary in stable coins, I don't know how I would survive the crazy inflation of Argentina and the crazy government oversight on fiat. And the fact that a lot of people are literally struggling of no fault of their own, but just because the government that uh, they have chosen to work with um, in a way that they have elected mm -hmm. is not providing them stable economic conditions and is not uh, battling corruption um, uh, at a higher level so that people can live a decent life, right? And this is where crypto comes in. This is where crypto kind of like gives you, um, on, on a very basic psychological level, even if it doesn't give you um, the the uh, financial stability that you're striving for, but it does. But even if it, if it didn't, it gives you the psychological um, peace of mind that you are the master of your own faith, uh, so to say. Mm -hmm. I know it's it sounds probably a little bit far-fetched, and I'm, <laughs> don't get me wrong, I am not a crypto maxi. I still use fiat as well. But um, the thing is, I like the thing, and I enjoy the fact that um, I am in full control, I have full custody over my funds and no government can tap into my wallet and grab it yeah. um, and, you know, control the way that I use the money in the way they can control fiat. And I think that a lot of a lot of governments are actually realizing that even though they would not admit it, uh, and even though they wouldn't be um, as forward thinking as El Salvador, but look at what is happening in in Africa, for example, 
or even in the United States and you know North America in general with CBDCs, governments are thinking, okay, there's a lot of money in crypto. People are just you know doing whatever they want with their money, and we don't like that. We you know this is not the government the way government works, right? We are not yeah. able to control corruption. That happens in crypto, both in a positive and a negative way. And I'm speaking from personal experience here. I am based in um, Sofia, Bulgaria, Eastern Europe right now. This is where I'm dialing in from. And Bulgaria is a lovely country, but so corrupt. Like you cannot believe, well, probably you can because, you know, El Salvador <laughs> and Latin America, but for some, someone in the States, um, the levels of corruptions, we, corruption we have achieved here, they're unthinkable. and. Um, the government doesn't like crypto. Why? Because, first of all, they don't understand it. They don't know how to tax it on one hand. And on the other hand, they do not know what to do with it if they get bribed in crypto. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> they already have corruption schemes that are working in fiat. And, you know, if it's working, don't, don't, well, touch don't it, mess don't with fix it. it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, <laughs> you know, so that's, you know, this is just a silly little observation of mine. But I think that for a lot of countries, and again, especially um, if we're talking about um, geolocations that are underbanked, like, say, Africa, um, or uh, places like Latin America, where people have sufficient access to banking services, and they're ripping them off left, right, and center, I think that crypto is a very, very safe haven, both uh, financially and psychologically. And I think that's important, you know, yeah. for, for somebody to be able to take control of their financial freedom. I think it is very, very important to have that, you know, that starting point of I am in full control and this will empower me to make great things. Yeah. Um, for, for me also, you know, besides the points that you're making, I think the good can, that can come of it is I think it can put like a pressure on countries like the United States or Great Britain that um, really haven't defined what, you know, regulations look like for, for crypto. So I feel like if they see other countries like El Salvador, Turkey, having success, um, it'll put a little bit of FOMO and, you know, make, you know, everyone wants to do things by the law. We just want those things to be defined. And uh, I think it, it will cause that to be, you know, pushed forward and for the, those regulations to come. I'm going to be honest with you, Eric. I think that it's not, I mean, I, I want to be altruistic and I want to believe in the goodness of humanity and yeah. government, uh, but I don't. So <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, uh, to me personally, I, I, I believe that the, the, the thing that will basically break the camel's back and, uh, and make governments cave in and adopt crypto is they will sooner or later realize how much money they're missing out on in taxing. Uh, in taxation uh, yeah and and uh yeah um and they'll be they'll be mad that they didn't get proper legislation earlier and the thing is as long as that legislation is bad as long as they just you know try to crush crypto and basically just you know get some money here and there from people transacting in in digital assets those people transacting will push back and they will try to avoid paying their taxes to government. We will pay our taxes happily at a certain point if the legislation is right. And I think yeah. that this is going to push governments towards the right direction. And that's going to push a lot more governments into getting people who understand the technology um, and getting people who understand the, the economy um, behind crypto so that they can implement legislation that actually makes sense, that is actually reasonable, and that is actually implemented 
to both pour a little bit of money into governments, but also protect people um, from malicious players on the market. Yeah, no, I I completely agree with the, those assessments. Um, so we, we've devoted uh, the first about half hour right now um, talking about Bitcoin. I'd like to switch gears a little bit and uh, talk a little bit more about Paradise. Um, first of all, do you, I know you've only been working there six months. Do you know what the name means? If it has a meaning, if it's like something about verifying? I'm trying to, is it like verifying Paradise? You know, I'm just trying to. It is, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the name the name basically stems from, uh, from verification because we do a lot of formal verification uh, methods work. Um, combined with expertise. Um, I haven't uh, really thought about the paradise thing. That actually makes a lot of sense now that you're saying you, it. And I will probably, <laughs> absolutely, I will definitely use it in our marketing. And then the other thing is, and that was so funny, uh, at DEF CON, most of the events were very busy. There were a lot of people in small spaces, so it usually got very, very noisy. And a lot of people, when I mentioned the name of the company and I said very dies, they uh, came back to me saying, what, very nice? And I was like, yeah, it is very nice, but it's also very nice. Uh, so, yeah. So it's, it's, so, uh, it, it's so funny you're saying that. It works on, very, on, on many <laughs> levels, yeah. It's so funny you're saying that because internally, um, when we were talking about this upcoming space, um, I was mispronouncing your name. I was like, Veridis, or, you know, just mispronouncing it. And so Shalini was always correcting me. And so literally I was like, oh, like very nice, Veridice. That's actually how I was remembering <laughs> how to pronounce your name. So it's funny that you're saying that. It does I am help. currently does. petitioning the team to turn that into our official slogan. Very nice, very nice. You know, yeah. I think it just Perfect. has a ring yeah. to it. <laughs> yeah, it, it'll yeah, help company- people know. The company was founded actually a couple of years ago, um, and uh, that's one of the one of the things that I really liked about it when I joined. Uh, when I was considering whether to join Veridice or not, um, this is not your typical crypto company. You know, your typical crypto company, in my personal experience, is founded by twenty-something DGENs people who are very. Um, open to opportunities and new things and they're sometimes taking unnecessary risks and those risks sometimes would pay out sometimes not um but it's a very you know it could be a very chaotic environment very yeah. was founded by people in academia these are your that. phds and your university professors and they all have interests in um, applied mathematics in cryptography in uh, crypto and blockchain in formal verification methods and these are people who approach everything in a very very precise and structured way and that's what made me fall in love with very dies uh that's that's what attracted me i actually love how much structure there is in in the company's work in the day to day activities, and in our work with with our clients. Yeah. So so yeah, that's you know the, the very nice thing is a hundred percent true. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it, it's funny that you say that. Um, for me, like uh, you know, obviously I was doing my research for this space, and I saw like it made me happy that um to see that the founders were like professors. Um, especially because I I'm from Texas and I saw that they have connections to UT Austin, the the biggest oh, school here. Yeah, so I was like, that's so awesome um, that they do that. And it is fantastic, <clears throat> and and you know what? It works fantastically for recruitment. 
because uh, they have access to the brightest, the smartest people true, in academia. And it's easy for us to kind of like get them to join us um, <laughs> as interns and then mo most often as full-time colleagues. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that works, you know, again, works on, on many different levels. But yeah, one of our co-founders, Isha Dilek, she is a uh, professor of computer science at UD Texas. She, this is where she met our uh, CTO, John Stevens, who is one of the most brilliant uh, people that I have met in uh, blockchain and in computer science and particularly in zero knowledge um, and ZK security. Um, uh, a bunch of uh, other colleagues of ours also came from the Utopia group at UT Austin that our co-founder Isha Dilek is leading. Um, so yeah, we have a we have a tight group of <laughs> incredibly smart cookies on the team, um, and then one college dropout that is in charge of marketing. Well, <laughs> there's a space for everyone. <laughs> indeed, indeed. And you know, you're mentioning how like um, how great it is that they're like not 21 degens and like you know actually you know have been in this for a while, super knowledgeable. Um, and I just try to compare it to Babylon also, um, uh, professor say also is, uh, you know, from Stanford university. And so like, that was one of the things I started working about a little over six months ago, uh, with Babylon. And that was one of the things that also was, you know, where I felt like this was a, the right place to be at is just someone respectable who, you know, has a tons of tons of knowledge and has done this before, not their first rodeo. And so it, it is a lot easier to just trust in them and, and know that, the company is you know, in, in the right hands. Absolutely. And we have to appreciate that because, you know, we talked about the industry being incredibly fast paced and I love that about it, but sometimes it helps to have a little bit of structure and don't get me wrong. I am not dissing on the young DJs starting fantastic companies. No, they, they, they create because... so many new things that we don't even know that could be possible. Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. They're adding so much value to what we're doing and we should all be forever grateful to them. And I believe we are. Um, but sometimes it, it just helps, especially when it comes to security. It helps to be a little bit more structured and to be a little bit more meticulous um, because it's easy to ship something to production that is not quite there yet. But that's that's the ethos of, of the whole uh, industry. We're like, we're just going to release it, see how it works out, and then we're going to fix things as we go, right? But then we come to the topic of blockchain security, and this is where things go south. Because if you ship something that has a security vulnerability and that would let people who are not quite, you know, malicious people exploit yeah. that vulnerability and that attack vector, then you're risking your entire project. You're risking losing the trust of the users and then what's most important you're risking losing your users money yeah. and you know we're not there's not a lot of loyalty going around in blockchain and web right <laughs> things are changing so fast you know one day you're using sushi swap the other day you're using uniswap you know we're just jumping ship as we see fit and we're turning the pancakes um based <laughs> on what's trendy right now and what's giving us a lot more value so the brand loyalty is not quite there 
But then you come and take our money and we're getting mad. So yeah, you know, like, this is this is where people get really, really annoyed. If you if you tap into their honeypots of digital assets, they get annoyed, um, understandably so. And this is why a lot of projects have learned a hard lesson that, you know, sometimes it is just, you know, you should just spend a little bit more time, a little bit more effort on your security. Um, you know, just the, the most recent example was the Kyber network exploit from yesterday. That was mind blowing oh, yeah. to me. I was reading into that, and and that could have been prevented. You know, a lot of times people find really really smart ways to exploit uh, projects and protocols, um, and that can't always be prevented, right? Sometimes it's just some something so ingenious, and sometimes it's social engineering, and it's not rooted into the code uh, and into the smart contract. So in those cases, code is king, but also code is king when there's a vulnerability in the code yeah, yeah. and there's nothing to override that. And those vulnerabilities, like was the case with Kyber Network, and don't get me wrong, the attack that the hacker executed was incredibly, incredibly sophisticated. That was one very, very smart person who took away almost $50 million. Um, but this could have been prevented with yeah. more audits and with more uh, with more attention to security. And I think that this is this is one thing that I actually wanted to touch uh, upon uh, yeah, because this is this is the one thing that makes very dice unique and, and sets us apart from the majority of our competition. People miss things. It is human to miss things. At the end of the day, we are only human. Um, and you can have five, 10, 500 people look at your code and still miss the same the same thing, the, yeah. the same attack vector that one person may, may notice and exploit. And I think that this is what makes us um, shine so bright in the in the blockchain security ecosystem. Uh, we use human-led audits. But we combine those with automated security tools. So basically, the audits that we offer to our customers are hybrid. We use tools like fuzzers, static analyzers. Uh, we use form formal verification, and we basically employ software tools that we have created to make sure that they test against any possible misuse or unintended use of a piece of code. Um, and then we have the humans, because that's something that software can't quite do, yeah. um, figure out you know, business logic and, and the way humans think. And, and this is where the human auditors come in uh, well, when reviewing code, they also pay attention to uh, to flaws into the business logic of, of a project or a protocol or a company that we are auditing. And that adds more value uh, to the whole process. And that makes the most the, the whole process a lot more uh, meticulous and mm. uh, provides more accurate results. Yeah. So. Um... Generally, you know, I'm interviewing protocols. And so I asked them about like, you know, how hard is it for you to get people's attention and um, get adopt to get adoption going. But uh, I, I think I'll have to switch it a little bit for Veridice. 
um how do you guys go about um getting business like do are, are y'all big enough that people just know to come to you or do you have to like go out and and like you know offer your services to different uh protocols how, how does that uh for you guys right now well we do both um we do both uh from a brand awareness perspective veridize is not as well known as some of the bigger companies in the space but that has both both positives and negatives because you know on the one hand yeah are we the top of the mind company when it comes to security uh, audits perhaps not yet but we're getting there we're definitely getting there <laughs> because we deserve to be there <laughs> um but also those big companies uh, i have noticed and again i don't want to diss on the competition or you know m- name name call yeah. But a lot of our competitors uh, just rubber stamp their audits and don't really do a great job at that. Sad, and, yeah. and the confirmation of that is that we're seeing more and more and more companies, including Kyber Network, uh, for example, they have had multiple audits uh, by huge companies. Um, so we we see a lot of bugs and a lot of vulnerabilities being missed and as i said that that kind of makes sense because you know when you don't do hybrid audits but just do human-led audits that happens um the other thing that we need to consider here is that hackers are getting more and more creative in the way that they approach things uh, and they're willing to spend and that's i don't know if i'm I, i don't have the data to back it up but i have the feeling that hackers recently are willing to spend more and more time on a single exploit that is going to pay out the big bucks rather than do multiple smaller hacks mm. which also makes our work and when i say our i mean not just veridice but like the whole blockchain security industries work a lot more complicated and complex yeah. <laughs> so there's a lot more we we need to be uh ask not as creative but we need to be more creative than others and uh, figure out creative ways that they would they would try to employ in order to get the to get the money um the, on the positive side though there's a lot of money being recovered from hacks and uh, again euler finance is one of the one of those examples that pops to mind um i don't remember the exact amount of money that they lost i think it was about 113 114 million dollars i believe it was a small amount of money it <laughs> yeah. was yeah it was a huge amount of money and it was returned to them they managed to negotiate with the hacker probably gave the hacker um, some reward again i that happened a while ago so um i would need to refresh my memory but um that th- that's a good thing we we see a huge white hackers uh, community basically getting together and rallying to help a compromised project um but when it comes to various and i think i got a little bit distracted from the initial initial <laughs> question and no, we are <laughs> yeah we're doing a lot of marketing um to kind of like you know establish our brand name we're also doing a lot of business development um our business development team is approaching protocols and and companies directly um uh but there's also a lot of word of mouth going up i just had a meeting with a company that works wants to work with us um and they came to me and they said we talked to people and what well, the one name we heard when we asked about zk security was always very nice 
So we now believe that you guys are the leaders in ZK security. And I said, yes, of course, that is correct. We are. Let me show you what we can do for you. So there's also a lot of word of mouth. And yeah, um, yeah it just, um, you know, it is it is a very tricky, it is a very tricky place that we are in because we are a blockchain company, but also we're not. Like we're not your typical blockchain company that has a token listed on multiple yeah. exchanges and, you know, trying to like uh, basically uh, organize their communications around the token price, uh, which is, you know, which has its benefits. Uh, and uh, yeah, and we are a blockchain company in the sense that we live and breathe blockchain yeah. and code and and sifting through code to make sure that the projects that we work with are as secure as they can be. Um, so yeah, I would say it, it is a mix of, of um, a lot of a lot of things that we're doing. It's a you know marketing generally is a multidisciplinary field. Yeah. Uh, you can't just do like I don't know One pay ads on Twitter <laughs> and be like, "Yep, we're done." You know, there's a yeah. lot that goes in. There's a lot of content that we are producing. Our team is amazing at putting out uh, educational articles for our blogs. Um, for our blog, we are just working on a series on zk fundamentals. Before that, we explored. We did a, a blog series on um, zk folding schemes that was fascinating. Um, and people are, you know, we're still getting the, the feedback. It has been almost a month since we published the last article on the on the series, and we're still getting positive feedback from people about those articles and, and yeah. telling us how much they help them uh, and learn about ZK and ZK security. Um, yeah. So we're doing a lot of that. And yeah, I'm trying to basically, I'm testing the entire team um, for producing, you know, to, to produce articles for me. And, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm the lowest branch in the whole, you know, in the whole chain. Um, yet I am basically terrorizing the entire team to work yeah. for the marketing for the marketing team at, at very nice. <laughs> I love that. Well, you know, one, one thing that y'all do that I actually thought was very cool, and I was going to ask you about, is I know that you guys uh, create YouTube videos also. And you guys, like, uh, explain a lot of different things, but I saw that you, like, go through an actual hack. Like, um, there's one that, you know, affected the Cosmos, which was the Nomad hack that happened maybe just yes. about a year ago. And so it was really cool to see um, you guys use a dashboard. I don't know, is that an internal dashboard or, or can anyone use that dashboard that you guys use? I think it was called Orca or something like that. That is our internal tool. Orca is the fuzzer that we have created um, and that we use in our audits. Um, okay. We actually have like a couple of, uh, a few different tools and all of those tools exist in versions for both EVM and ZK. Um, so these are internal tools um, that, yeah, that we use. Orca is a fuzzer. Um, we have a static analyzer called Vanguard. Um, we have a tool called PyCus for ZK that basically combines multiple different approaches to make sure that it delivers results fast and it doesn't stall because, you know, com coming through um, thousands of lines of code could be uh, could take a lot of time. Yeah, and yeah, especially in ZK. So you know, it, it, we need tools that are basically optimized for performance, um, and that's the case with Pycus. Um, and these are tools that we use internally, but 
the good news is, and I think that a lot of people should get excited about that. I'm going to give you the alpha here. Um, <laughs> we are actually releasing those tools as a standalone subscription service. So I think that's awesome. Um, yeah, so next year, people will be able to basically subscribe for the very nice uh, security as a service tool um, suite, so to say. And mm -hmm. they'll be able to pick and choose the um, the programs that they can use while they're developing. Like uh, That would mean that developers would have the ability to run audits as they code. Um, yeah. at every single step of the way, step of the way and yeah. that would I am honestly I'm very excited about that like you know I get giddy when I start talking about that <laughs> because <laughs> uh, I, I see it as a, as a game changer for the industry because right now if you look at the market of blockchain security right now you either have human-led audits or you have uh, automated tools and those tools uh, are very often reactive so these are online on-chain monitoring tools that would detect an attack happening very quickly yeah but the attack is already happening and we need tools that are proactive not reactive we need well, tools that uh, would make us you know build code that is as unbreakable as it could be yeah well i the what i see as a benefit is you know instead of waiting till you're done building what you're building and then finding out that there's something wrong with it and having to go back to the drawing board if you're providing the service and they're able to check it every step of the way you save them money their time like it it can only help i think by being able to, to have access to something like your dashboard so i i think that um yeah that that's i think gonna be a game changer for a lot of people Absolutely, especially for smaller projects that have not been funded yet, because you know that a blockchain security audit can turn into a very expensive thing, um, depending on the complexity of the protocol or you know the code that needs to be audited. Um, I'm not saying it's something so expensive that people should not be considering it. On the contrary, but it can turn very very expensive, and a lot of a lot of projects that are just starting out. Or a lot of DJs that are rolling out things just as an MVP, you know, like a minimum minimum viable product, they do not have the budget to to go and do an audit, especially to an earlier version of the project, knowing that there will be uh, a more sophisticated version coming soon. Um, and then having this set of tools that would allow you to run those audits every step of the way is also very cost efficient. That means that you don't have to go and purchase the audit every time. And it's also time efficient because setting up an audit takes a little bit of time to kind of like agree on the scope, get all the paperwork in order, and then start actually auditing and reviewing the code. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that will, you know, we're going towards streamlining things and basically streamlining blockchain security, if I may say so. <laughs> Um, one thing that um, I'm very excited about is that um, both Veridice and Babylon, along with a few other protocols um, and companies, are part of the Secure Staking Alliance. Um, oh, yes. Could you could, could you could you uh, like talk to the listeners a little bit about you know um, what what that's about and just so we can learn a little bit more about it? Did I lose you, Vanina? You're muted right now. In case you th you think you're talking, you're muted. <laughs> okay, so um, while we wait to see if Vanina is indeed there, um, 
like I was mentioning, there uh, along with other companies like Eigenlayer and Cubis, we are all part of uh, the Secure Staking Alliance, which um, we made an announcement, I believe it was a week ago. Um, so we're really excited about that. And uh, hopefully we get to ask Vanina some questions about that. Um, also, I wanted to ask them about just what the future of, of Veridice looks like. And... Uh, and then uh, just you know like what the what where that goes from there. So hopefully we can uh, get her here in a second. I'm gonna give her a moment and see if she responds to me here in in the back end. So while we wait for her, I'll I will mention um, the type of services that uh, Veridice has. Uh, you know we know that they provide security, um, but they provide security for a lot of different things: well, smart contracts, DKPs. A whole blockchain audits. Hey, Vanina, you're back. Hi, sorry about that. I I don't know. I think I tapped on the on the mute button by mistake. I'm so sorry about that. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. So, um, I, I figured that because you, you you wouldn't you wouldn't mute me on purpose, right? No, 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 <laughs> never. <laughs> okay. So, um, so to the question that you probably already answered was the Secure Staking Alliance. Could you talk a little bit about that? <laughs> yes, 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 of course. So, when it when it comes to when it comes to staking, um, there's when obviously that's you know that's um, a major thing in blockchain right now, and a huge portion of assets is locked in in staking protocols, um, staking Ethereum being probably the most popular thing to do um and and liquid staking as well but the thing is when it comes to when it comes to staking and generally to blockchain we don't have enough standards we lack we lack standards um basically every protocol is free to go with their own interpretation of things and we think that this is this is something that would actually improve the ecosystem and this is why we joined the secure staking alliance with the goal of basically introducing best practices and open standards for um for validating infrastructure for staking infrastructure um because right now there's a lot of uh, you know becoming a validator running a validator node is not pretty straightforward but it will become more and more mainstream as we go um first of all it's going to get cheaper from a pure hardware perspective to run a validation node um and second of all more people will get interested in that uh especially now that we're getting into a bull run so this is why we believe that basically you know having preset and and solid standards and procedures and best practices for validators um actually helps us build a, a staking system that is secure by design and not just because yeah. you know it happened to be secure <laughs> yeah you just look into it being secure no that's actually you know going to be great i you know just having um the set set of regulations and um just ways of making it more secure it's going to be i think for the best absolutely and also we're in great company there as you mentioned babylon chain is there we are there um we have uh everstake who are a liquid staking provider we've got cubist who are doing amazing work in the um in the field of uh, key management, we've got icon layers. So, you know, there's going to be, I think there's going to be a lot of good work coming out of that alliance. I think so too. Yeah, we're definitely, you know, happy to be a part of that. 
Um, so I'm glad that you guys are there. Likewise. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Um, so what's in store for, for Veridice? I was mentioning some of the services that you guys provide. I'll, I'll repeat those, you know, audits for smart contracts, ZKPs, blockchain audits. You even do audits on Web3 wallets and NFTs and security as a service. But is there anything else coming or, or what's in store here in the future for you guys? Well, that is a lot already, Eric. <laughs> it, it is. I'm, I, the what next, more can you do for me? <laughs> yeah, for you, we can we can audit the hell out of your your code, um, <laughs> and and uh, yeah. Well, the next big thing big thing is basically launching our internal tools as a standalone service. Oh, that's right. You didn't mention we're going to be yeah, yeah we're yeah. going to be focusing on that. That is the next big step uh, because the tools that we have been using, we created them to use for our own audits, but the tools are actually so good that it would be criminal to keep them for ourselves. And um, <laughs> we need to release them in the wild. We need to give every developer <laughs> uh, in blockchain access to those tools. And this will be the next big thing for Veridice. That's awesome. Um, is there any way that, you know, people here listening can get involved with what you're doing? Like, how would you suggest they get involved um, with Veridice? I would invite everybody who's listening and who's interested in what we do to follow us on Twitter at Veridice Inc. That is our Twitter handle. Um, this is our main communications channel. We also have an amazing blog that people can find on our website, www.veridice.com. Um, we do a lot of security workshops. We just concluded a security workshops on ZK and the feedback has been overwhelming. I actually met, it was an online workshop, but I met a few of the participants in person in Istanbul. Um, and they were also excited to meet the team in person because they loved the workshop. So we do a lot of educational, yeah, a, a lot of educational initiatives. Um, we're always on the lookout for good security auditors. So if you are looking for a job in blockchain security, again, reach out to us. We would love to talk to you. Um, but yeah, overall, I would say follow us on Twitter because we publish everything important there. That's a really good yeah. way to get in touch with us and uh, and talk to us about anything that you would like to discuss with Veridice. Perfect. Well, Vanina, I want to thank you for you know joining us today. I feel like I became a lot more knowledgeable in what you do and uh, what services you provide. You know, I, I feel safer thanks to, to meeting you now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having me, um, Eric. It was a real pleasure. Um, as I said, Babylon and Veridice, we have our um, our ideologies very much aligned and we're working towards the same ultimate goals. Um, so it was it was lovely to to be on the Twitter space and uh, I hope that the listeners have gotten something out of the conversation. I think they did. I think they did. If, if not, we'll just, you know, we'll just think they did and be happy about it. <laughs> um, for for sure, I would love to have you in the future, um, maybe after you guys have uh, your dashboard and tooling, you know, go um, to the public and that, you know, just to catch up and follow up with you guys, see how it's going, uh, having it on another space. Uh, it, it was really nice talking to you and I could listen to you for hours. So, uh, oh, you, thank you, you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have a great way of explaining things and just, uh, just being real. So I really appreciate you. And thank you for, for jumping on the space with us. Thank you for having me. Eric. All right. 
So until next time, everyone, thank you for joining us. Have a good day. Rest of the day. Motherfuckers screaming out loud, looking for mercy before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey. What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve mentality stuck in the burbs. I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works, and we'll see what other kinds of trash is under the dirt. We rape and plunder the earth, sit and wonder about the worth and plate. Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served. Motherfuckers walking around here looking faceless, trying to make a living selling friendship bracelets. Dead ends dragging out the max amount of payments. Red down days got them acting all bankless. Yo fam, what? Check these token knocks. They probing this bear, flexing broken knives. I had to lay my soul down. I'm just roasting knives and then to end a long day. Eleven bowls of chronic. Never known the politic. I was born to frolic. It's been my policy to pollinate all over the plot. We got a lot of apologists jumping in at the top. We like to measure their velocity. Before they hit rock bottom over the impossible loss, it's all moss and I'm liking the odds. Bond doing the morning, forming mycological bonds. Flick the cap, yo, the road is highly involved. Flip a coin, diary falls. Motherfuckers screaming out loud, looking for mercy. Before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey. What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve mentality, stuck in the burbs. I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works, and we'll see what other kinds of treasures under the dirt. We rape and plunder the earth, sit and wonder about the worth and place. Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served Trying to figure out the max amount of dinner lay Stacked and non-toxic Just to get a better place Smacking on the hostage Like the shit is play for keeps Clowns, white knight, and all these Maybellines They call it implausible When model after model keeps on Ripping off the coat and going full throttle beats Tearing apart your community All these low-hanging fruits Bearing zero liquidity Got a planet in reach Coming standard to each I'm on the back ten stargazing after the siege Commanding all the management to grab a few seats and then we'll round up the beasts and send a messenger east. Y'all better sign a release when I'm bumping these beats. Hands up if I got motherfuckers drumming the streets. Yo, we got a few dubs, we got a couple defeats. And if you're coming for the king, you better have some of each. Motherfuckers, fuckers screaming out loud, looking for mercy before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey. What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve mentality stuck in the burbs. I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works and we'll see what other kinds of treasures under the dirt. We rape and plunder the earth Say and wonder about the worth and play Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served Tell spaces